Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean Sports Stop, where Sean Diplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. That is right. You heard the legendary UFC ring announcer Bruce Buffer introduce my podcast. The one and only ring announcer introduces the one and only Sean Sports Thought Podcast. Thank you so much for listening wherever you may be, however you may be listening. It has been a while, but I'm back, back with a vengeance and um, couldn't be happier about it. As always, I'm covering the biggest news in sports, giving my unique opinion on everything going on. We got a lot to talk about the base MLB home run derby. The all-star game was tonight. Some news on LeBron and the Lakers who were eliminated from the playoffs since the last time I did an episode. Will Damian Lillard find a new home? But first, we have some football to talk about. Drama between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The glacial freeze, as some may call it, between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers appears to be thawing. So not all hope is lost for Green Bay pa- for the Green Bay Packers and their fans. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler appeared Monday on Get Up, a morning show on ESPN, saying the Packers are, quote, hopeful but the reigning MVP reports to the team and they have no plans to trade him. It has been heavily reported that um, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay for some time now. The He has made some very interesting public comments indicating that he may want out of Green Bay. Um, personally, I thought he would make it out of Green Bay, but now it's looking less and less likely. There were even at one point there were there was a time where the Denver Broncos were the prohibited favorites, prohibited favorites to land Aaron Rodgers. So um yeah he said quote the Packers are hopeful after asking around I sent some encouragement out there from the Packers I asked the source whether Rodgers' comments breed optimism they said quote I really hope so so it's still more hoping from the Packers than actually believing that Aaron Rodgers will stay with the team quote so this is a team that is waiting this out there's no clear-cut clarity here they're just simply hoping for the best they are not going to trade him now I did ask around to some execs around the league asking if this situation has lost the locker room with his teammates they said no they believe it has not because they understand his business they're keeping it separate so they probably get where rogers frustrations are coming from if you have not heard rogers requested a trade earlier this offseason citing a falling out with management the issue has been simmering for more than a year dating back to the packers very uh controversial decision to use a first round pick on quarterback jordan love in 2020 eerily similar to what they did when brett Favre was the quarterback selecting aaron Rodgers, who was the backup for a couple seasons and ultimately has been one of the greatest football players of all time since replacing the great brett Favre. Rodgers said he plans figuring out his plans for the season in quote a couple weeks during an interview on nbc sports last week he's given no indication of any kind on whether he plans to report to the packers and has largely He's avoided um, hard-hitting questions about his displeasure about his displeasure with the team. Perhaps the best window we got into his thinking was a May interview with Kenny Mayne on SportsCenter, in which he essentially laid the blame on general manager Brian Gutkunst. Interesting last name there. Uh, he said, quote, I think sometimes people forget what really makes an organization. History is important. Legacy of so many people who've come before you. But the people, that's the most important thing. People make an organization, people make a business, and sometimes that gets forgotten. Culture is built brick by brick, the foundation of it by the people, not by the organization, not by the building, not by the corporation. It's built by the people. Bob McGinn of The Athletic reported in May that Rogers regularly referred to Guttenkust as, quote, Jerry Krause in team group texts. For those of you that don't know, although if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure that most of you do know, Jerry Krause was the late Chicago Bulls general manager. He was 
routinely blamed by, by Michael Jordan and others as the main reasons that the 1990s Bulls, who won six NBA championships, broke up after the 1997-98 season. So it's unclear if Rodgers' feelings have changed over the last couple of months, but we will definitely find out soon. Personally, at this point, I think Aaron Rodgers will start. He will at least start next season as a member of the Green Bay Packers. But this is not good. Even if he uh, is with the Packers, there will be tension between him and head and the head coach. Um, there will be tension between him and the GM. There's just no avoiding it. He's made his displeasures very public, and there's no going back from that. At the same time, he is so extremely talented, and he's been with the Packers for so long that they really, really don't want to trade him. So that's understandable as well. And with that said, we are transitioning to some NBA basketball. We're now in the NBA Finals. The Phoenix Suns have a 2-1 series lead over the Milwaukee Bucks. No game today, but game four is tomorrow. Personally, my current prediction is Suns in sixth. I think Chris Paul will get his long-awaited NBA Finals championship ring. He, up until this point, you know, knock on wood, uh, has been one of the unluckiest players in the history of the NBA. He, he was supposed to be traded from the New Orleans Hornets back in 2011 to the Los Angeles Lakers to team up with Kobe Bryant, but that trade was vetoed by the NBA, by the commissioner David Stern, because at the time the league owned the New Orleans Hornets, and they didn't want the Lakers to have a super team with Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, and Pau Gasol, although they were okay with LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade teaming up to form the first real super team with the Miami Heat, but that's a different story for another day. I think the Phoenix Suns will win the NBA championship, and since we are in the NBA Finals, uh, there are some rumblings about the offseason already. The Golden State Warriors, who have been perennial championship contenders for several years, winning three titles in 2015, 2018, and 2019, had a, a horrible season in 2020. They just missed out on the playoffs this season, losing uh, two playing games to the Los Angeles Lakers and Memphis Grizzlies, two very close hard-fought games back-to-back. They are reportedly considered a potential destination for Damian Lillard if the Portland Trailblazers if the Portland Trailblazers star is traded this offseason. He has been with the Blazers his whole career. He's from Oakland, so logistically this makes sense. He might want to come home, but he has expressed numerously his loyalty to Portland, and um, that's extremely respectable. Quote, they'd make a call and have they'd make a call and have already internally discussed the idea, as I'm sure most contenders have, considering the rising smoke out of Portland. Anthony Slater of the Athletic wrote on the Warriors. But Lillard is signed to Portland through 2024-25, so he would only be able to join another team via trade. But Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported in June the star could force his way out through a trade. The Philadelphia 76ers are reportedly, quote, angling to get Lillard per Michael J., uh, per J. Michael, excuse me, of the Indianapolis Star. That will almost certainly include Ben Simmons in a potential trade. The Athletic also listed the New York Knicks as a team that could be interested. Man, I mean, the Knicks, they had a very young team this year um, with the only veterans really being Derrick Rose, Reggie Bullock, and Taj Gibson. But adding Damian Lillard to that young Knicks team, that young, exciting Knicks team, that would be that would be really fun. I think the Knicks would be immediate contenders in the East. Although for Lillard personally, I'm not sure... The only uh, real upside for him joining the Knicks would be the uh, the fact that he's in a huge market, the biggest market in the NBA in the Knicks, because I'm not sure that him joining the Knicks would be a better team than, um, than the Blazers team is currently on. Him joining the Warriors, though, would be very intriguing, joining Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. I highly doubt that any of those go to the Blazers in the potential trade, possibly Draymond Green. But if they make that trade, they have Steph um clay thompson and damien lillard and no reliable big men or defenders so i we'll see but the warriors do have 
James Wiseman. They do have number seven and 14 picks in the 2021 NBA draft. They also added Andrew Wiggins in the future first rounders potentially to complete a trade. Uh, so it could be worth it to add one of the best offensive weapons in the NBA. He could pull up from half court at any time, just like Steph. He's averaging 29 points a game, seven and a half assists. I mean, he's a six-time All-Star. He's a perennial MVP candidate, adding him to a team that already includes Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Clay also coming back from an ACL tear. It's a no-brainer, but the question is what they would have to give up to make it happen. Um, there were many, like I said, there were many reports in early June about Dane being unhappy in Portland. But he's since then, he's publicly came out and said that there's no truth to those rumors and he's happy in Portland. But we'll see what happens. I mean, you'll never, you never know. You know what they say? There's no smoke without fire. Uh or no fire without smoke, whatever the fuck the saying is. But anyway, switching gears to some more basketball. Great news for Laker fans here. The Lakers obviously won the NBA championship in 2020, but surprisingly lost. Got Even though they were the seventh seed, it was still technically an upset. They were the betting favorites against the Phoenix Suns. They lost in six games. But great news here for Laker fans. Lakers star LeBron James does not envision playing for any other team before he wraps up his legendary NBA career. Saying, quote, I truly hope that I can finish my career with the Lakers, the four-time MVP said on the Smartless podcast via CBSSports.com. However many years that is, if it's four, five, six, whatever, seven, I might be a little bit generous with how many years he has left in the NBA, but he is LeBron James. He'll be here for a while, barring, knock on wood, significant injury. I hope I can continue to play the game. I love being in LA. My family, my family loves being in LA. Being with a historical franchise like the Lakers is something I mean, his comments are not exactly surprising, but there there have been a lot of people that have speculated that he will return to the Cleveland Cavaliers and retire at home, especially uh, if that means playing in the NBA simultaneously with his son. I'm not sure that a team like the Lakers would give him that opportunity. But now, beyond, I mean, obviously things can change. There's, you never know. I mean, I'm sure when LeBron was with the Miami Heat, he didn't envision himself playing with the Lakers in the future. Maybe he did, but he point is with time things change and just because he's saying now that he doesn't see himself playing somewhere else doesn't mean that he will retire a laker although it does seem like it i'm a little bit i'm contradicting myself for sure but presenting when you present multiple viewpoints at the same time that tends to happen during the interview lebron seemed to allude to the benefits of playing in los angeles when he said he quote never thought it would be possible to start in space jam a new legacy that movie is coming out very soon i'm sure you guys know what space jam is Competitively, the Lakers are well-positioned for the future since Anthony Davis bought in as well. He signed through at least 2023-24 and has, and has a $43.2 million player option for 2024-25. Um, obviously, their, their first-round loss to the Phoenix Suns raised questions about their current roster, but the acquisition of AD uh, and LeBron being committed to long-term shows that the Lakers are perennial championship contenders for years to come. Personally, I think um, LeBron. I think the reason for the Lakers' struggles not struggles. I mean, they lost in the first round, but the reason why they lost in the first round is because at pretty much every point throughout the season, either LeBron or Anthony Davis were injured. When you combine that with the fact that the Lakers and Miami Heat, who also uh, incoincidentally lost in the first round of the playoffs after making the finals against the Lakers last season in the bubble, they had a, they had a, their bit of a brain fart here, excuse me. Their offseason was the shortest in history of any of the four major pro sports, NBA, NHL, MLB, and NFL. Of just, I believe it was 71 days or something like that between the last game of the NBA finals and the first game of the next NBA season. Obviously, because of the COVID pandemic, 
you know, shit hit the fan and the scheduling was, was all uh, mumbo jumbo as um, my boy Dennis used to say, shout out Dennis, if he's listening, but um, yeah, I think that's uh, a big reason why the Lakers lost in the first round. They had a very, very short off season and that, you know, had a bit of a domino effect when it came to injury. Same story with the Miami heat. I don't think it's a coincidence that both uh, teams that made the NBA finals last year lost in this year's first round. So I think the Lakers will be back, and uh, we'll see. I mean, they might sign Lonzo Ball. My 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 return to the Lakers. We'll see what happens. Switching gears to some soccer, and um, this is a bit of a serious note as well. English forward Marcus Rashford released a powerful statement on Monday following his disappointing finish at Euro 2020. If you don't know, I was watching the game, but I'm sure some of you listeners, some of you, some of my. Uh, uh, beloved listeners don't know, Rashford was subbed onto the pitch in the 120th minute of the Euro 2020 final against Italy with the score tied 1-1. Effectively, essentially, I should say, only coming on for penalty kicks. And I should say, this was an absolutely... I mean, this move made no sense to me on the part of Garrett Southgate, England's manager. It made zero sense whatsoever. I understand the strategy of bringing on penalties... Or, excuse me, penalties. Bringing on players for the sole purpose of taking penalties... But why do you do it in the 120th minute? I mean, come on. You, you're asking the guy to touch the soccer ball for the first time. And two seconds later, he's taking penalties. I mean, and, and the spot, I mean, there, there are so many questionable decisions on Gary Southgate's part. First, let it be known that Italy deserved to win the game. They had more possession. They had more shots. They had more shots on goal. They, they, Italy deserved to win the game. But England, I mean... I don't understand. And you have you have Jaden Sancho too. He's one of the most talented soccer players in the world. And you keep him out until the 120th minute. I mean, I understand if it's the round of 16, if you're playing Denmark, if you're playing Ukraine. Shout out Ukraine. What a run from the boys. What a run from the club. I mean, what a run it was. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. You have Jaden Sancho. I understand if you're playing Ukraine, you 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 don't put Sancho into the game. You figure you can beat him with worse players, but it's the final of the Euro, and Jaden Sancho is not into the game until the 120th minute. That makes zero sense to me. And then on top of that, you're putting Marcus Rashford in in the 120th minute. Not even talking about that, but he, you put him in. He's a natural He's a natural midfielder. He could play striker as well, and you put him in the right-back position. That makes zero sense to me. So all he had to do was kick a penalty. He missed. He missed, then Jaden Sancho missed, and then Saka missed. All three are very young players, all extremely talented. Unfortunately, as many predicted, all have been subjected to racial abuse. It's inexcusable. It's disgusting. I understand that English fans are extremely passionate about soccer, probably more passionate than they are about anything else in their lives, but it's inexcusable. England had a magical tournament. Yes, they played six out of seven games at home in England, despite the fact that the tournament was hosted by like 10 countries. So they were expected to win. But I, I'm just gutted, as the English say, for Rashford, Sancho, and Saka. Rashford said, quote, a penalty was all I'd been asked to contribute for the team. I can score penalties in my sleep, so why not that one? Rashford said in his Instagram post, all I can say is sorry. I wish I'd gone differently. And Rashford, I mean, he's just, he's, someone as someone that follows soccer and, and knows Marcus Rashford being a fan of Manchester United, he is as nice as they come. So this is absolutely disgusting to see, to see his, uh, to see his mural in Manchester vandalized. It's just disgusting. England's going to be back. Um, they still haven't won a, a major trophy since the 1966 World Cup. 
but they'll be a top contender in the 2022 World Cup, and they have nothing to be ashamed of. Italy was the better team. There's no doubt about it. But England definitely, definitely choked in that. Um, definitely choked in that. Um, in that game, it was tough. I mean, I I was cheering for Italy personally. England took out my team, Ukraine, but I just I was cheering for Italy. But but seeing Rashford, Sancho, and Saka miss those penalties and and the heartbreak that came with it, it was tough to see. Uh, they really left it all out on the pitch, and yeah, switching gears now to baseball, a bit of a lighter, light, much lighter topic. Pete Alonso is once again king of the long ball. You know what they say, chicks dig the long ball. Alonso won the 2021 home run derby last night at Coors Field in Colorado by defeating Trey Mancini in the final round. Personally, I was cheering for Mancini. I mean, both both the eyes seem to be nice, but Mancini had colon cancer last year, so he's he's a huge inspiration and just. The fact that he made the final round of the home run derby barely a year after um, overcoming colon cancer is it's it's inspirational as as fuck to be honest and it's amazing. Peter Alonso is now the back-to-back champion since there was no derby last year. He won in 2019. He advanced past Salvador Perez in the first round, who by the way hit over 20 home runs himself. I think the uh, home run derby format needs a needs a, a change. I think it should be the the top four to advance rather than a bra- out of the first round rather than a bracket format because Salvador Perez hit like 22, 23 home runs and he didn't advance because Pete Alonso hit like 35, which is, by the way, is a single-round record in the home run derby in the first round. Then he took out Juan Soto in the semifinals and obviously Trey Mancini in the finals. Uh, so, yeah, Shohei Otani, despite having a lot of hype, he uh, fell in the first round on a, on a on an, in an epic battle against Juan Soto. They tied after regulation time, and they tied after a minute bonus time. And then on a three-swing swing-off, Juan Soto hit all three out of the park. And Shohei, who is a sensational talent, hit a ground ball and choked. Moment of silence for Shohei. Just kidding. It's all good. We love Shohei out here. Despite despite the fact that I'm a Dodger fan, he's awesome to watch. He's fun to watch. He's a great guy. And, um, yeah, transitioning back to some NBA. The Miami Heat, Dallas Mavericks, San Antonio Spurs, and Minnesota Timberwolves are expected to be among the teams to pursue restricted free agent John Collins this summer. Shams Sharania, prestigious NBA reporter from The Athletic, reported those four teams could target Collins with an offer sheet to lure him from Atlanta. I see the Hawks matching it, though. They will have an opportunity to match any offer given to Collins, but it remains to be seen if they're willing to meet open market prices. Uh, Chirania reported Collins may have played his way into a max contract status, which would be $126 million over four years for a non-Hawks team. Collins has been open about his desire for a max deal, saying the Hawks especially should reward him for his improvement. So it seems like he would take the money over staying with the Hawks, which is perfectly understandable uh, for John Collins. He said, quote, when we're talking max numbers and money, I feel like I definitely am in the conversation to have earned that money with the Hawks specifically. But obviously, I know there's business and we don't always get exactly what we want. He said in May, but I want to be a Hawk. I want to stay with the Hawks. So it's going to be interesting to see if other teams offer him the max, uh, if he will prioritize staying in Atlanta over more money or not. Um, I think the Hawks will match uh, purely because of the success that they had this past season making the Eastern Conference Finals uh, where John Collins was an integral part of the team. So yeah, um, transitioning to some MMA. Here's some spicy stuff. I'm sure all of you guys heard about the UFC 264 fight between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, but here is McGregor's ex-rival, Khabib Nurmagomedov, and his thoughts. He did not hold back when assessing what would happen if Conor McGregor fought Dustin Poirier again for the fourth time 
following Poirier's win at Saturday's UFC 264. He said, quote, what is going to happen? I don't think something's going to happen. The judges gave Dustin Poirier a 10-8. He mauled McGregor in the first round. If they fight 100 times, Dustin is going to beat him 100 times. So obviously, obviously, Khabib is biased. He doesn't like Conor. I don't think Poirier beats McGregor 100 out of 100 times. I think he beats him 98 out of 100. No, but all jokes aside, Dustin Poirier right now is the better fighter. Um, I thought he won the first round clearly. I'm sure most of you guys have seen it, but at the end of the first round, Conor stepped back awkwardly and completely broke his tibia. Poirier said it was because of a checked leg kick McGregor um, when he was ranting, <laughs> sitting down with a broken tibia next to Joe Rogan, said it wasn't because of the checked checked kick and he was calling Poirier's wife a whore in his, in his heavy Irish accent. It was definitely a sight to see. Um, I was a, I was always a fan of, Mag I was a fan of McGregor for a while, but uh, sometimes lines need to be drawn. I mean, McGregor consistently crosses lines that you shouldn't cross. He talks about people's wives, their families, their religion. It's just vile. It's vile. It's, it's not nice. It, I guess it sells fights. It, it definitely does sell fights. I mean, McGregor was is iconic. I mean, everyone knows who Conor McGregor is. But um, just just as meteorically he just as just how me meteorically he rised, he's falling as meteorically. He's like two and four in his last six fights or something like that, or two and yeah, I believe it was two and four. Um, yeah. So and Khabib <laughs> Khabib also tweeted right after the fight saying, "Quote: Good always defeats evil." Very happy for Dustin Poirier. I hope he will get the belt end of the year. So Poirier will almost, as per Dana White, he will fight Charles Charles Oliveira for the belt at the end of the year, possibly in December. While McGregor heals from the injury, and then we could see McGregor Poirier four. Connor knocked him out in the first fight. Poirier knocked him out in the second fight. In the third fight, Connor broke his foot. Was losing the fight for sure after the first round. The second round was definitely going to be interesting. But technically, it's a stoppage win for Poirier. Um, Nurmagomedov said McGregor is, quote, finished as a top-notch competitor following the loss and injury, saying, quote, without broken legs, yes, he could be the same. But with broken legs, he's never going to kick the same. With him, no, I don't believe he'll return to the top. Connor have good age, 32, but what happened with his mind, legs, this guy is finished, but he's good for promotion. And I would agree with that. Um, Khabib beat Connor by fourth-round submission at UFC 229 in 2018 after a very dramatic lead-up to the highly anticipated fight and then defeated Poirier by third-round submission at UFC 242 in 2019. He believes Poirier would have no trouble in any rematch after Saturday's result, and I would agree with that. Uh, I love Dustin Poirier. He, he's a class act. Despite the fact that Connor says that he's a gangster and, he, and he's not a celebrity, that he shows up, that he breaks people's faces and bounces that's really who Dustin Poirier is, but Dustin Poirier just doesn't talk the way Connor does. He's not about the talking; he's about the fighting. So, honestly, Dustin Poirier is everything that Connor McGregor says Connor is at this point. And like to me, right now Connor just just he just comes off as an insecure little bitch. He comes off as like a little weasel, a little chihuahua trying to bark at a big dog. That's that's exactly what it looked like after he was trying to talk shit to Poirier after having a broken tibia. At the same time, credit where credit is due. He's probably one of the only people that would keep talking shit with a broken tibia. He is the notorious Conor McGregor after all. There's always going to be a, um, a bit of a mystique, a bit of a aura around Conor McGregor, but he's not going to be the same. It's going to be funny, though, if he, if he loses his way to a title shot because if Poirier beats Charles Oliveira for the lightweight belt <laughs> and then McGregor, and then they do McGregor-Poirier 4. You bet your balls Dana White is going to make that for the UFC lightweight belt. <laughs> if 
Connor wins the belt in his next fight in 2022 against Poirier. That, that would just be pretty funny. That would just be comedic at this point. But yeah, we got some basketball to close out this episode of Sean Sports Up. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening. The Houston Rockets have reportedly been aggressive in attempting to acquire the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft from the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons would be absolute retards to give out the pick as they will almost certainly select Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State with the number one overall pick. The Pistons have explored the possibility of trading back and may not be 100% sold on Cunningham being their favorite player in the draft per ESPN. That's stupid. I, for me, I go Cunningham all the way. Uh, the Rockets are in a tricky situation organizationally. They acquired a haul of draft picks for James Harden, but also have their 2024 and 2026 selections heading to Oklahoma City as part of the Russell Westbrook trade from 2019. I'm not exactly sure what they, I mean, it's pretty cool that they want the number one overall pick, Kate Cunningham from the or to select Kate Cunningham, Kate Cunningham from the Detroit Pistons, but I'm not exactly sure what they would give up. Uh, speaking of trades, someone that could be on the move, as I mentioned earlier, the Philadelphia 76ers are reportedly willing to part with all-star guard Ben Simmons this offseason for the right price. According to Shams Jeremy of the Athletic and Stadium, the Sixers have, quote, opened up trade conversations and engaged with teams regarding Simmons. Jeremy added that a source of the 76ers are asking uh, for an all-star caliber player in return. That could be potentially Damian Lillard. Uh, Simmons was the number one overall pick in the 2016 draft. He's a three-time all-star and is just shy of 25 years old. But he's been he's been viewed as a likely trade candidate for a while now, but more so, especially since his poor performance in this year's 2021 NBA playoffs. He's not a top scoring option, but he has averaged 16 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, and two steals across four NBA seasons. He shot 56% from the field, but only 60% from the free throw line. That's absolutely abysmal. And he never shoots, th- almost never shoots threes with only five career attempts from the, from the three point line. That is absurd. And this season, his numbers were down to 14 points, seven rebounds, six assists, and one and a half steals. Still, he was named an all-star for the third straight season and finished second to Utah Jazz center Rudy Gobert in defensive player of the year voting. So he's valuable, but it finally seems like the Sixers realized that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid just do not mix. They just don't mix. So it seems like they want to change it up. The Lakers are a potential landing spot. The Blazers will see more basketball here. The Los Angeles, Los Angeles Clippers star Kawhi Leonard underwent surgery to repair the partially torn right ACL that he suffered during his team's second-round victory over the Utah Jazz. Man, he played through that, playing against the Phoenix Suns in the conference finals. Kawhi is 30 years old now. He suffered the injury in Game 4 against the Jazz. It was later revealed to be an ACL injury. And the issue forced him to miss the remaining eight playoff games for the Clippers. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, he didn't play through that. Um, you know, that begs the question... How different the series against the Suns would look had Leonard played. I mean, the Clippers still took the Suns to six games despite not having Kawhi in the series. The focus is now getting healthy for next season. Leonard has a $36 million player option for the upcoming season and would arguably be the top player in this year's free agent class if he hits the open market. He's a five-time All-Star. He's one of the top two-way players in basketball, averaging 25 points, six and a half rebounds, five assists, and one and a half steals a game. He's extremely efficient. He's won two NBA championships with two different teams the San Antonio Spurs and Toronto Raptors. I believe he's the only player in NBA history to win finals MVP with two different teams. And we are going to close out this episode with some baseball. The Midsummer Classic just finished a couple hours ago. Toronto Blue Jays first baseman of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit a 468 moonshot to help the American League win the MLB All-Star Game over the National League 5-2 from Denver's Coors Field on Tuesday. It's the eighth straight win for the American League in the All-Star Game. That's Pretty surprising, to be honest. The National League, I believe, were the betting favorites coming in. Guerrero's solo shot gave the American League a 2-0 lead in the third inning, uh, which 
you know, which and that's why he won the MVP. He's the youngest uh, MVP in the All-Star Game history at 22 years and 119 days old. The other big blast was from Tampa Bay Rays catcher Mike Zanino in the sixth inning to give the American League a 5-1 lead. The National League had multiple opportunities to make the game close and possibly tie it. Chris Bryant was up with uh, two outs, bases loaded. I was watching 3-0 count uh, in the seventh or eighth inning, I believe it was, and he lined out to left. It was a very nice diving play from Jared Walsh, who that was the first time he was playing left field ever. So that was very impressive. Chris Bryant uh, was the MVP uh, for the National League. He he um, was a bit of a rally killer in the All-Star game. But, you know, the All-Star game is celebratory. There's no real meaning to it anymore. It does not uh, determine home field advantage in the World Series anymore. So, yeah, Pete Alonso wins the home run derby. Shohei Otani is the winning pitcher for the American League. Corbin Burns is the loser for the National League. Liam Hendricks picked up the save. A uh, bit of a diverse group there. Otani's Japanese. Uh, Vladi, the uh, MVP, is Dominican and Canadian. Liam Hendricks is Australian. So definitely lots of diversity. Baseball has been a global game, but we're now seeing that more so in the um, we're now seeing that more so in the All Star game. And yeah, that's all we have for this episode of Sean Sports Up. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm back, back with a vengeance, as as I said in the start. Um, Again, thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, um, follow on Spotify. You know, it's Sean Sports Up on iTunes, Spotify, all platforms. And yeah, let's just um, close it out with some uh, nice. Um, <laughs> Should have done this before, but let's uh, get the last. Let's get some uh, classic elevator music for the last. 15 last 12 seconds. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys in the next one.